Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church. We're taking your calls and your questions For those of you that are just tuning in and brand new to this program, this is Calvary Live, originating from Colorado. It happens to be pretty warm today. I haven't been outside. I've been in the office all day, but my watch says it's 50 degrees, and I could see out the window of my office. The sun was out, so no snow, no snow. And I was even watching the news last night, Frank, and they said, no, not a a white Christmas this year. Bummer. Oh, wow. I'm so bummed. <laughs> Not really. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, in order to get on the on the show, you got to call the number 303-690-3000. Uh, 303-690-3000. And you can text me. We sometimes will be able to get to text calls to fill in the blanks when there aren't any phone calls. And we have a dedicated line to that. It's 720-336-0897, and that is dedicated to texting uh, and texting only. But the phone number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000 is the number, and taking your calls and your questions. Give me a call. Let's see what we have. 303-690-3000. And, you know, we're looking, uh, we got a special service tonight. If you're here in the metro area and you want to join us for a midweek service, it's going to be a special evening as we celebrate the graduation of our students from the School of Ministry, or excuse me, the School of Worship. We call it Ascend the Ascend School of Worship. Pastor Jason uh, Klein, he oversees that along with Pastor Ian as they te- they serve together teaching a group of men and women uh, how uh, to better effectively lead worship. And it's just been a blessing. It's our second, it's a nine-month uh, dedicated time of instruction to, uh, to be encouraged uh, in being taught very precisely and specifically on how to lead worship, how to be on a worship team, uh, how to be an effective member of the uh, media team, and and they cover a bunch of, of, of topics that tonight we get to celebrate the graduation. And uh, it's, it's, it's such an honor uh, to, um, to be able to provide this. Um, it's such an honor to have yet another group of graduates. And and when it comes back for the next open enrollment, we'll make sure to get the word out uh, as it is open to men and women, not just our church. Uh, and it's anyone that wants to learn how to 
how to grow in <clears throat> in the um, area of worship. So very similar to what our school of ministry, um, you know, our school of ministry is designed to teach men and women uh, the practicalities of men, of how to serve. What does it look like to serve within a church and setting? What does it look like to prepare for the mission field? What does it look like to um, to be used of, um, <clears throat> you know, how to how it is just practical things, um, how to serve better, how to grow in in the things of God better, uh, and so um, great stuff that the Lord has in store. Uh, that's tonight. So we gather together at. Um, when do we gather together? We gather together at 7 p.m., and it's a special night. We're gonna, it's a night of celebration, and of course, we'll worship together, we'll pray together, we'll open the Word together. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge opportunity to grow in the grace of God. Um, so, 303-690-3000. Here's a question as the phone lines are ringing. My son, who's 11, asks, if I'm baptized, will I get to heaven? and have a good relationship with the Lord? And the answer is no. I would tell my 11-year-old son, baptism does not get a person to heaven, and baptism does not give a person a good relationship with the Lord. What does is, and even at 11, I would talk to him about the repentance of sin and his belief in Jesus Christ, what the Bible uses the word faith. It is the faith in Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins by Jesus that gets a person to heaven and and develops a good relationship with the Lord. It's the work that he did, not the work that I do. And so your 11-year-old son would say, well, then why do I see people get baptized? Or why? why what's the big deal about getting baptized? And my answer to that would be is that when, you ha- when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you do, and I do, what Jesus wants us to do. And one of the things he wants us to do is to be baptized. And so the, the answer to the question is, baptism is a because you have a good relationship with the Lord, it doesn't get you a good relationship with the Lord. And so encourage your son to place his faith in Jesus Christ. And if your son has placed his faith in Jesus Christ, then encourage him to obey God and be water baptized in his local church. And I know that God will bless that and that he'll continue to grow your son up in, even at, at 11, 12, 13, and God will just use him uh, in amazing ways, in wonderful ways, just knowing that God loves your son and and he wants a deep abiding relationship with him. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, again, we have open lines available to you, and the number to get on the air is 303-690-3000, and taking your calls and your questions, just knowing that the Lord has reserve this time for us uh, to allow us to be built up in the things of the Lord, to be strengthened in Him, and and just to be encouraged, whether you call in or not, just to be encouraged by the conversations. 
All right, we're going to go right to the phone lines today. It's Mark calling from Colorado Springs. Mark, welcome to the program. Good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. So I have a question. I was reading Revelation, and uh, I forgot what chapter it is about the two witnesses. Yes. And then I was reading the transfiguration with um, Jesus and when he took... Um, Peter and and John up into the mountain. Yes, and then show them um, Moses and Elijah. Yes, and they wanted to build a tabernacle. Yes, and so in Revelation it said there will be two witnesses that came back, but these two witnesses um, got killed. I was wondering. Oh no, we lost you. They weren't named. Oh. Is it Enoch and Elijah or Moses and? And um, Elijah, I'm not sure. Well, let's start with what we know for sure. According to Revelation chapter 11, these guys are going to be supernaturally filled with the Holy Spirit. They're going to carry on the ministry of God. Uh, they're going to be used in an amazing way. Uh, we know that they're men um, for sure. What we don't know is who they are. Um, a lot right. of suggestions have been given. Uh, Joshua and Zerubbabel, Elijah or Enoch. Elijah and Moses. I personally lean toward Moses and Elijah, but the Bible doesn't say for sure. Okay. I, I, I was thinking that, too. Um, I, I read in, 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 you know, in, in Hebrews 11 where it talks about all of those with faith, what they did, and it talks about how Enoch was translated, but in, like, Hebrews, I want to say 11 and 13, it said these all died in faith. It didn't mention Elijah, but Enoch was mentioned, and it said these all died in faith. So I'm assuming that includes Enoch too, correct? Yeah, and I think Enoch died in faith, and I think Elijah died in faith, and so we, we can learn from their lives in other places um, how they died. I mean, Enoch, um, he translated. You know, Enoch was kind of like a picture, an Old Testament type and picture of the rapture, um, because right. he he just translated right into the presence of God. Um, and there is a generation that will translate right into the presence of God, and we hope to be that generation. Good, good. Yeah, I, good question. I thank you so much for answering my question. You're so welcome, Mark. appreciate it. God bless you, bro. Bye-bye. Uh, God bless you. Bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Chris, welcome to the program. Um, hi. Yes, I got a couple questions to ask you. Great. And I have been practicing this uh, recently. Um, a lot of churches I've gone to, they go um, and say, you have sick, pray for the sick, and they start begging God uh, for for healing for so-and-so and healing for this person and that person. Yes. But it's not biblical, okay. because they're not following Christ's example. Okay. Christ never begged His Heavenly Father for healing. He was given the authority he commanded Lazarus to come forth. Okay. You are to command the healing into the body in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm not seeing it. And and so, so I before... have for years, you know, dear God, please be with so-and-so, help them get... And I'm, and I'm sitting here going, wait a second, that's not even what Jesus Christ did, and if we're supposed to emulate him, then why aren't we being taught in churches how to command healing into a body? Because... We were given the same authority Christ was when he died, and he rose, and he left for us, and he says, you will have the same things that I had. So, That's paraphrasing, of course. So in your in your mind, 
when another part of the Bible, the inspired scriptures, have Paul asking three different times for the same malady to be taken away from him. Do you think he was? Do you think he was praying the right way in Second Corinthians um, chapter twelve? In Paul, his was people. His thorn in the flesh was people, and the way that people were. Um, That's a possibility, but it actually I've done do- some study on that. It actually doesn't so, say that. You so know it's that, not, you know, yeah, you can't take people away when you're, you're sent people to preach to them. Well, actually, it <laughs> of course does, not, first, God's not going to grant it. <laughs> first of all, it doesn't say that, like, in the text, right? So that's a conclusion you make. You even need to make it, uh, you need to jump over verse 10, where he says he takes pleasure in infirmities. So he's taking pleasure in his sicknesses. So it, de- it definitely could be part of the thorn that he's placing. I know the different options of what it is, but the text doesn't mm-hmm. say and there is some there is some inference in verse ten that it was infirmities, uh, and so I don't yeah, think kinda, you can just dismiss yeah, it. I, I don't think you can just dismiss it in relationship to it's just being people. It's a possibility that it was people. Um, I agree, but it is also a possibility that it was infirmities. Um, he he uses the word reproaches. He uses the word needs, uh, distresses, persecutions, uh, and all of this was for Christ's sake, and so. In relation to your question, um, the Bible doesn't speak of of anybody following Jesus' footsteps, commanding healing, and that it happening uh, instantly in every case. Um, and one of the main reasons is, is that although we have authority of Christ, the authority that's been given to us is conferred under the sovereignty of the Father. So you see, Jesus alone is unique from us. And the uniqueness of Jesus is that he always did what pleased the Father. And he had a unique relationship with the Father uh, that was without sin. And so when you find him commanding Lazarus to come out, uh, he comes out, but he also delayed his coming on purpose. Uh, And we don't have the ability to know when we're supposed to delay and when we're supposed to command. And certainly the reality of asking God to bring about healing is all throughout the scripture, um, especially as Jesus encourages us to to ask and to seek and to knock. And so I would strongly disagree with you. We aren't giving that we we aren't giving we are not given anywhere in the scripture divine fiat over the healing of sicknesses. Because if you did have that divine fiat, Chris, that was something you had then you could go down to the hospitals and you could heal everyone in the hospital. With that, with that mentality of, of your view of healing, if you were really given what Jesus was given. Now, I know some people come back and go, well, Jesus didn't go into the hospitals and heal either. No, but your logic that you used earlier was is that when Jesus just command healing anytime he wanted to, which is true when he was in tune with the Father, and so would would be so would we be, um, and we we don't we aren't given that divine fiat over the sovereign will of God. Not only that, uh, according um, a good brother reminded me of Second Timothy chapter two, um, with the ability that God used t- um, Paul in um, he he used Paul in in healing. According to Second Timothy chapter four, uh, in verse twenty, it says. Um, Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Tromephus I have left in Miletus sick. Paul left a man sick. 
uh, and didn't heal him because we're not given the divine fiat in healing. Only God holds that. And remember, Jesus was God. 303, well, let me correct my um, tense of the verb. Jesus was and is and forever will be eternal, the Son of God, just in case I want to make sure that I get the tense right. Thanks for calling, Chris. 303-690-3000. Michelle is in Thornton. Michelle, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. So I was calling. The question that I'm trying to ask is, um, I'm a Christian, and um, I love Jesus, and I go to church, and um, there was a time, you know, in my life I had went through a dark time, and um, the Lord called me back. You know, and I found the Lord back in a very uh, strong way that my question is, how would I get my testimony out there to people um, in the Christian community, in the non-Christian community, um, to let people know how real God is? And I want to be an evangelist, and I know the Lord wants me to be a prophet, so um, I'm wondering if you could help me or tell me how I would get my testimony out there speak in large crowds or even on the radio like you or anything like that so that I can help people to come to Christ in the way I did. Well, let's consider that for a second because the best place to start is in your local church family and to be a a vibrant part of the local church. You know, you look at uh, the opportunities that God has afforded to me has have been completely by His grace and His goodness. And where I started was just serving in my local church. And, and for me, not knowing what God wanted to do in my life, I wanted to be faithful uh, to the church that God called me to. And, and of all places, you know where I spent most of my time serving in my church? Where's that? The children's ministry. Oh, nice. Uh, God had me ministering to kids. because At the time, I wouldn't have been able to understand this at all. You couldn't have taught it to me. I, I wouldn't have read a book and understood it, but he was training me. And every part of that, every part of the church uh, that I served, because I served, I came from a very large church uh, in Southern California, and so there was always something to do there, always opportunities, always needs, and in all the different places that God allowed me to serve, I can look back now and see how He was training me. And so my first, my first encouragement to you is to be faithful in your local church. Secondly, I would, I would say, put your, uh, if you haven't already. Write down your testimony, um, okay. and write it down in a way that 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 almost like you're writing a book, and okay. and write it down so that it's refined, that it's specific. Uh, and when we teach people to do that here, I, I a simple way that I um <clears throat> that I teach them is to take a piece of paper and write draw three boxes on it. Mm-hmm. On the top box is who you were, uh, okay. and the middle box is how did God. Uh, arrest your life, you know, how were you born again? What were the circumstances? And then the last box is who you are now. Okay. And, that, and that's basically a testimony. You know, most, and I have to warn you and those listening, most of the testimonies that we hear is all about the first box. It's all about how bad it was and how difficult it was. But the real, the real emphasis on our testimonies is not who we were, but who we are. Who we are now. And what God's doing now. And 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 one of the one of the reasons why writing it down will help is when you're reading it, you'll be able to see how many times you use the words I, me, and how much it's about you, because our uh-huh. testimony really isn't about us. Correct. It's about him. 
and it's about God's work in our lives. It's, it's really God's testimony in our lives. And so writing it down will help you, will help you deliver it. And then delivering it, you begin to tell anybody, you know, it becomes a part of your evangelistic story. Um, and you begin to share it with whoever's in front of you as you have opportunity. So you should have a couple different testimonies. The first one you should have is what I call an elevator testimony. And that is, if you only got a minute or two with somebody, what would you tell them? And um, so you would just tell them something fast out of your testimony, right? You yeah, you just... How you went through a hard time and how the Lord pulled you through in your life is great now, and you have many blessings from the Lord. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's more along the lines, uh, if, if a conversation comes up and you only have a short amount of time, you want to highlight the, 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 the real powerful, glorious work of God in your life, and you always want to save time because the biggest part of your testimony is to lead them to Christ. Right. Is to bring about the, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the testimony is only a tool to connect with somebody with the gospel. You know, like you already feel it. You feel this gifting of prophetess. You feel this sense of wanting to be an evangelist. And, and one of the tools, it won't be the only one, but one of the tools that you'll really be able to connect with people, especially people that went through the same exact thing that you went through, uh, yeah. is your testimony. Okay. And, That's right. And then I would talk to the leadership of my church and say, um, hey, um, you know, this is my life, and as they're getting to know you and as they trust you, then God just begins to open doors. And, you know, if you would have told me 28 years ago that, that I'd have the privilege of talking to you on the radio, I would have laughed. I would have said, no way. There's no, there's no way God would do that. But yeah. indeed, he has done it, but it's taken time, and that time's been filled with faithfulness. And we just have to remember we're on God's time now. That's right. That's right. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. That helps a lot. Thank You're welcome. You so Great question. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let's see. Sean is calling from New Jersey. Sean, welcome to the program. Hey, Esther. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. 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 Um, I just wanted, you know, uh, some prayer and some guidance. Maybe you can help me. And, and um, So my wife and I, my family... Um, we go to a, a church. We've been going there for, I don't know, about eight years now. And um, some of the good, a lot of the good things, the Lord's really changed my life. And um, he's, uh, my wife and I now, uh, teaching children's ministry. Never thought that would ever happen, but uh, that is the case. Um, and, and we enjoy that. And um, I personally have never felt, and my wife is aware of this, never, never felt, um, like it's been a home church to me, um, and, and there's a lot of reasons why. Um, um, you know, it's a conservative. It's very legalism. There, there's a lot of things. A lot of things that I feel out of place in. And my wife knows that I wanted to, you know, look into other churches and um, look into the Calvary uh, Church and. <clears throat> So on Wednesdays, I've been going to a Calvary church, Okay, and um, I'm just a bit confused because I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. My, my children, my wife, they're all in choir. We're teaching children on Sunday at our church, and I'm, I'm hoping for open-door, closed-door situation, but I don't think it's going to be that cut and dry okay. um, when it comes to deciding if this is the right move for my entire family. Now, I know my wife would go anywhere um, um, I would go. I know that. Um, 
but I just want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. And uh, for for the last eight years, I've been trying to serve and then been doing that. And I still I just still haven't got that connection as a home church. And I like teaching of um, not really series type teaching. I like more like um, uh, verse by verse. And I think I learn more by it. And that's just that's me. Um, but I just want to make sure that I'm in God's will. And I have been praying on it, but I don't know if he's going to shut the door of, like, us teaching the children. You know, I mean, we literally have to be, like, removed from there for that to be a shut door. Um, so I, I don't know if, if, if I'm making the right decision or not. Um, so I'm just looking for some guidance and some help okay. um, on that and your thoughts. Well, wanting to be in a healthy, well-balanced church is a good thing. And and so whether it's your will, whether it's God's will for you to be in a healthy church, I think we can, I think we can answer that question. It's absolutely God's will for you to be in a healthy, strong, vibrant church uh, that teaches the Bible. And and I mean, there's no perfect church, so I, I don't want to use the word perfect, but a healthy, strong, biblically based. Um, you know, and I'm I'm a little biased, so I want to make sure that that bias is heard. A, a church that teaches through the Bible, verse by verse. I've seen the power of the Bible myself. That's that's what God used to disciple me, and that's what we're committed to. You know, in our churches, and so I am. I know there are a lot of great churches that don't teach through a verse by verse, but if I had to choose between a great church that doesn't teach verse by verse and a church that does, I'm going the church that does any day of the week. I just know that's going to be the healthiest, and that's going to be the strongest. And so whether God wants you guys in a church like that, I think, I think that the answer is yes. What's the difficult part is how, um, especially when there might be some disagreement in your home on where to go to. But, but this is an opportunity for you to take some leadership in your home and you know, to, to sit your wife down uh, in a loving way as a marriage and just start talking about our spiritual health. And you know, honey, I just think that we're not growing here. I, I have concerns with these doctrines. And as the leader of the home, I, I believe God wants us to move on. Um, and, you know, you can meet her halfway in the sense asking her to come to you with you on Wednesdays. And and let's worship on Wednesdays, you know, and meet her in the middle. It doesn't have to be some authoritative type of decision, but rather one that's persuasive. Right. You know, one she that... Has, yeah. I mean, Pastor, she has, and, and, and she would go... I just, you know, pulling out a choir and, and us pulling out of the teaching the children. Uh-huh. Um, I just, that's what I'm concerned about now with my church. You know, there's like, I don't remember in eight years ever being taught the prophetic word or, uh, of God and, and, and the second advent coming. Now, now it's a Bible believing church, but yes. <clears throat> um, you, you may be aware, but you know how some of the churches. Um, maybe doesn't get into the the second advent of, of sure. the coming of Christ. Many churches don't. It, it, right, and, and it's a concern of mine. And okay, so I let me ask. Let me answer now that you clarified um, about singing in the choir. You're going to be just fine. About teaching the kids, they're going to be just fine. Uh, you need to be. This is so. This is really good that you clarified because this is God taking you to another level of faith, and it's required for you to obey the Lord. Yes, sir. Yeah. Are you in your house right now? 
I'm actually sitting in my truck. Okay, so when you get home, I want to I want to give you this illustration, but I don't want it to offend you because it's in no meaning, no way meant to offend you, but it's going to show you very clearly what's going to happen when you leave that church. Okay. I yeah, want, I, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. I go want ahead. you to go into your kitchen when you get home. Mm-hmm. I want you to take a cup and fill it with water from the tap. Okay. I want you to set it on the counter and put your finger in it. All right? So okay. your finger is going to be in the water. And that finger represents your ministry in the church that you're at right now. I want you to then take the finger out and tell me how fast it takes for the water to close in the gap. Well, that'd, that'd be pretty fast. <laughs> and that's what God that'd will be do behind fast. you. And he'll lead you to the right place and he'll take care of everything behind you. God bless you, my brother. Thank you, sir. All right, bye-bye. We'll be right back. The music's caught up with us. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of today's program. This is Calvary Live. Uh, If you're just tuning in, you're listening on the Grace FM radio network, you're listening on the Hope FM radio network, you're listening on the Truth FM radio network, and then I'm going to ask Kevin to jot down that station for me. We're also on a station in California, as well as online at gracefm.com. Of course, you guys on the East Coast, remember, and the West Coast, when we are broadcast on your station, what you're hearing is a one-week delay but the show is live, so you can call in anytime the show is on the air, and you will talk to a live host. You'll have your question answered uh, uh, live, but you just won't hear it on the air for another uh, week, and that's it. And you can call anytime, Calvary Live, 303-690-3000, and to, they have a dedicated texting line, 720-336-0897. And taking your calls and questions. So we had a question come in. I uh, just want to address it. Um, why, why does salvation, um, why isn't salvation automatic through Jesus Christ? Uh, if sin came through Adam by default, then why isn't salvation by Jesus likewise? Because Jesus said, if you believe in me, you're saved. If you don't believe in me, you're not. And God's fiat, and I love that word, God's remedy for sin is free will faith. And there you go. I got I answered you on text and I answered you on the air. So you got it both ways. 303-690-3000. Jim in Loveland, Colorado. Jim, welcome to the program. Go, Ned. Good, man. What's up? Um I talked to you a couple weeks ago. Okay. I wanted to say thank you for sending me the or getting me connected with the Spanish English Oh, materials. yes. Sergio connected um, with you. Yeah, but I wanted to thank you for that. Um, but uh, kind of along the same lines, um, God just, like, every week I just seem to run into people and just start talking to them. And I just feel like God, you know, just has me meeting these new different people, which is quite different for me because I was an introvert, you know, up until I became a... a up until a couple months ago when I really started pursuing Christ. Right on. Um, and I went out of my way to stay away from people. So now that 
I am open and wanting to talk to people. I Sometimes I feel like, you know, after I talk to people and get to know them a little bit and I kind of have some things to pray for them about, I'm not sure where to go for that from from there. So I was just maybe looking for some prayer that, you know, God will continue to lead me on how to um, be a witness to these people that he is putting in my my everyday life. He will, and, and let me let me help you with this concept, because one of the greatest places of your spiritual growth will come when people uh, ask you questions or have comments or observations that you can't answer. And as you're talking to people, it, it is okay to say, I don't know the answer to that, but but let me let me look for an answer, and we can get we can talk next week. You know where you can continue the relationship, um, because having different points of view as you're talking to people come to you that you don't that you're not able to answer right away uh, is going to sharpen you because you're going to look for an answer. If you're like me, you know if a question comes through and I can't answer, like I just can't let it go until I answer it. Um, yeah. Or at least until I get a, you know, I may not know the exact answer, but at least until I get some kind of uh, biblical response to it. And and so that's okay. Uh, and, you know, let me recommend a book. It's You can't buy it um, new anymore. You have to get it used. But this book probably was the best resource. I'll give you two resources. One you buy and one's for free on the internet. And they're both okay. very good. Uh, the book is called When Critics Ask. Okay. It's a thick, I have a copy here that anybody that hosts can use, by Norman Geisler, G-E-I-S-L-E-R. Okay. They don't print it anymore, but it, it kind of, it sounds like you're dealing with critics all the time, but it's just basically a Bible difficulty handbook. And when I was yeah, a new I believer, I just used to read it, like verse, like chapter by chapter. I just like, like for instance, I just opened up and it says in uh, Luke 3.23, why does Luke present a different ancestral tree for Jesus than the one in Matthew? And, okay. you know, if you read your Bible, Matthew has one genealogy, Luke has another one. The answer is why, or the question's why, and they answer it, because that's what a person will go, oh, I don't believe the Bible, because it has two genealogies, you know? It's a really cool book. Okay. And another resource that's very helpful, uh, this resource will actually put us out of business, because uh, you won't have to call the show anymore if you just go here. <laughs> it's called gotquestions.org. Okay. And these guys are based out of um, um, Colorado Springs. I haven't met them, uh, met the guy yet, but he's a good friend of my friend Gino Geraci, and um, that's a okay. great resource, and it's free, gotquestions.org. All right, cool. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I appreciate that, again, for the, the resources. It's just sometimes, <clears throat> yeah, after I... After I get to know people and start talking to them, I'm kind of not sure how to pursue those relationships further, but I think that'll that'll help out, and I know God will lead me, you know, with other opportunities. He will, so. and, you know, one of the things that Jesus told the disciples is that when they were brought before the, the rulers and the magistrates of the day, he said, don't be concerned about what you're going to say, yeah. because the Holy Spirit will give to you in that moment what you're supposed to say, and... And so what do we do? We just kind of hide God. We, we just kind of build up a reservoir of things that the Holy Spirit can can pull out of us, whether it's sitting mm-hmm. in Bible. I just told our church not too long ago not to underestimate the weekend, week out, every Saturday, every Sunday, every Wednesday, anytime you're listening. Don't underestimate the systematic teaching of the Bible because it is powerful. Uh, it's just, it, you know, it, it 
people don't think anything's happening. They sit through a 45-minute Bible study, but it's not true. It's training, and, and it's development, and it's learning how to use the Bible. Um, it's a powerful time, and over time, you grow in your understanding of the Word, and you grow in being yielded to the Spirit. Uh, and so let me pray for you. Thanks. Father, I pray for my brother as he takes out these new steps of faith, uh, that as you use him, and, and he's turning to the left and turning to the right with these opportunities, that you would meet him there, uh, that your promise to the disciples would be um, felt and experienced with him, that, that he would trust you in the moment, um, and that even though he learns more about the Bible, and even though he might get a Bible answer book or something, that he wouldn't lean on his own understanding, but that he would acknowledge you in all his ways, and you'll direct his paths. You'll give him the answers, even when it's non-answer. You'll just demonstrate and radiate love, agape love through him, that, that he would be usable for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. Thanks, Ed. All right, bro. God bless you. Uh, yeah, God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Brent, welcome to the program. Pastor Ed? Hey, you're on the air. Can you hear me? I can, yes, sir. Oh, awesome. All right. So um, I was a camp counselor for a couple of years at a Christian camp, and um, I remember a student asking a question uh, to a group of us that he was really struggling with. He was a Christian, he believed in God, but he still had some doubt just about you know, whether he believes still or not. And I remember one of the counselors, you know, comforting him and helping him feel better by, you know, telling him that that um, that doubt is an aspect of faith and okay. that it's normal to have some doubt. And, in fact, you know, faith means that, you know, we, we can't fully prove it, but we're believing in something that we don't, we don't fully see or know or something like that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm teaching... Uh, youth at my church right now. I just started a couple months ago, and I, I just want to make sure that, you know, this came up again, this thought that I, you know, this, this uh, I don't know, this idea of um, doubt being an aspect of faith. And so I just want to know what your thoughts are on that, just because I don't want to mislead any, you know, students or anything. Well, the, uh, there's a couple things when it comes to doubt. First of all, doubt can be a sin. Uh, it can mm. be sinful to doubt. Jesus himself, when he is writing to us, when he's speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't worry. He actually devotes almost a full chapter uh, on not worrying and trusting and why do you doubt. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so part, you know, I want to, I want to be on, I want to say at the outset that there's it, nurturing doubt, elevating doubt, emphasizing doubt, and just wholesale responding to God in doubt uh, can be, not always, but can be sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the way you describe um, the way you describe what the camp counselor was sharing sounds a little more just the way you said it. So, since we need, since I wasn't there, I don't know. Right, right. Um, but the way you it sounds kind of like the world, you know, like doubt is an aspect of faith, but but actually it's not. Doubt is not an aspect of faith. Um, doubt is the opposite of faith. Uh, and so it's, it's not like a two-sided coin where faith is on one side, doubt is on the other. The coin of faith is faith is on one side, faith is on the other, and faith is on the edge if it lands on the edge. Uh-huh. And God, the Bible says that God has given to all of us a measure of faith. 
and he's given to all of us this 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 sense of uh, the ability to believe. He establishes our belief, and and there are times when we have unbelief, you know, because doubt is normal. So yeah, that's a normal human experience. We don't always believe with absolute confidence. Um, mm-hmm. We we do have concerns. We we would never. Jesus would never tell us not to worry if it wasn't part of our makeup. Uh, if it right. wasn't part of our, even the disciples, you know, they cry out to God. Um, they they just, you know, that Jesus looks at them and he says, um, he tells them, you know, the f- when they fall asleep in the garden, you know, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Right. Um, and then there's that, there's a guy, um, uh, let me see here, in Mark chapter 9, uh, it says... Uh, 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 the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the reality of doubt is real, and sometimes it crosses the line into faith, but it, it is, as the, as if I had a chance to talk to the kid, I would yeah. want to get to the root of what the doubt is. Okay. Um, it, almost always, almost always, and I, I don't know this kid, so I'm not telling you to go talk to this kid, but I don't right. know this kid, but... Almost always, doubt is rooted in a moral issue. It's actually okay. not intellectual as much as it is moral. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I would, if, if God would allow me to talk to them, I would walk through and at least broach the question, are you involved in anything you shouldn't be involved in? Right. And for a boy, yeah. a young kid, pornography is a big issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an undermining of faith, like you wouldn't. I mean, it's a big issue across the board. But I was wow. just reading recently that thirty, forty percent of kindergartners have already been exposed to pornography. Oh wow! I mean, it's 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 destructive, and yeah. and so I would want to explore that with him because I would want to. I would want to if if he would let me into the dark part of his life, I'd want to walk him out. Yeah, and like that. and that that alone would be an establishment to help him trust God more now. You know, there's a guy by the name of Thomas in the Bible that we unfortunately give the title <laughs> Doubting Thomas yeah, to. Yeah, I actually yeah. don't agree with him. I don't think he was a Doubting Thomas. I believe he was one of those guys that demands more evidence. Mm-hmm. And he was just one of those evidence guys. That's how, you know, we all have people like that in our lives. That if you if you show me, I'll believe. And and while the general sense of the Bible is is you believe and I'll show you, even God sometimes will show you so you can believe. Yeah. I mean, that's a powerful thing. And and so I, I don't know that I don't know that I would take the route of I, I would definitely affirm uh, in a person's life that doubt is normal. I don't think I would I would express that it's okay, uh, but God yeah. can use it, you know, that and I would say, What do you doubt? Well, I doubt that God's exists. What 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 fed you, you know, where'd you get that from? Um and it could be he's hurting. It could be he's grieving. It could be there's sin in his life. It could be that he's fearful. Uh, it could be the home life. You know, it could be a thousand things that doubt is actually an entryway into someone's life to bring the hope of the gospel. Yeah, I, I like that. That's kind of, I, just, I felt like it was a little off. Um, I, I, I did recognize that, you know, there's a lot of in the Bible about doubt. So I, I knew that that's something that's important that, we, a lot of people, I mean, everyone kind of deals with it at some point. So I knew that. I should not know whether that idea of aspect, you know, it's an aspect of faith. And so um, I appreciate you taking the time to walk me through that. 
Yeah, and I I think a few more things just in in especially uh, for you and for those that are listening. You know, I mm-hmm. I think I'm reminded in Romans where it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And mm-hmm. so that if I can get a kid or I can get anybody to talk to me, I, I want to point them in the places where when they hide God's word in their heart, they wouldn't sin against me, you know, against mm-hmm. him. You know, like like here's a here's a here's a scripture. Like when my kids were fearful when they in, when they were young, I'd have we would quote a verse before they went to bed, and I had them memorize mm-hmm. it. When I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. Yeah. Um, and it's just a simple truth, but it's in the Bible. And remember what Jesus said at the end of John 20. He says, "You guys believe me because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen me and still believe." Yeah. And and so I want to summarize just by this, you know, when we're okay. dealing with kids, when we're dealing with people, we need to remember that we're dealing with people and not projects. Mm-hmm. And we're dealing with people and not issues. And so if a kid has the bra- he has the courage enough to share that he's doubting with me, I'm not going to immediately talk him out of it. Uh, I'm not going to immediately say, oh, you know, good Christians never doubt. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to try to fix him, um, huh? but instead I want to take him to the one that can, that can help him. You know, I'm not even saying he needs to be fixed. I mean, you know, he could have experienced some trauma in his life that will always be a trigger of doubt. It's part of yeah. the human experience. And, mm-hmm. and just teaching him how to sort it through his feelings, teaching him how to trust God even though he is unable to, and, and see if I can give him some solid answers about what exactly he doubts. Yeah. No, I like that direction that that you uh, that you went with. You know, what are you like? Where's the doubt coming from? Yes. So, so that's that's a good idea. It's probably where I'll start if I come across that. Oh, I'm sure I will. So, right on. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, brother. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Really good questions today. I appreciate you guys calling and just talking about the things of the Lord. Um, it's so good. All right. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's see here. We're going to go to line one, John in Greeley, Colorado. John, welcome to the program. Hi there, Pastor. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? <clears throat> oh, I'm doing good. Okay. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I just have a couple questions. Uh, okay. Um, you know, me and my wife are going through a divorce, and I was kind of just wondering about salvation. Okay. You know, because she's actually seeing somebody right now, and we're not divorced yet. And, okay. And, uh, you know, I still got feelings for her, you know, I, I uh, but I'm, I don't want her to, you know, go to hell. You yes. Know, to, I don't blame you. Mine, you know, so I, I, I wanted some questions on that. You know, what am I? Where is she at? And how is, she, you know, what is? You know, I, I still keep praying for her, and you know, hoping for that we could, uh, you know, work this out. Yes, but uh, you know, we're going. It, the divorce is coming up here soon, and you know I'm just trying to stay strong, you know, and uh, yes. stay in, stay in my walk, you know. And that's a, you know, and, so, and, you know, throughout the the pain that you're going through, it's a temptation for you to just throw in the towel too, and yeah, 
Yep, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. So that you know, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I just more worried about her than I am myself because I believe I'm still in God's will and I'm and I'm uh, I'm staying faithful to Him. You know, I know I did a lot to her to for her, you know, for this to happen. Yes. But uh, you know, it's it. You know, I know it's a two way street. And, but I, I, like I said, I am just worried about her, you know, um, on that end of it. Well, let's pray, brother. Father, I pray for my brother as he's concerned about his wife, and uh, it's not too late for her to turn back, uh, to, to change her ways, to repent of her sin, Lord, and return to her marriage, return to her husband, and, and give a great effort to work things out, and whether she's saved or not, Lord, we don't know her heart. We, I don't know her, um, and so if she is a believer in rebellion and resistance, God, bring her to the end of herself as a prodigal daughter, and Lord, if this is demonstration of her not being saved, then we commit her to you, and we know that you're more powerful than we are, and we acknowledge to you, God, that you know more. But while there's still time and hope, Lord, we pray for reconciliation and that you would give my brother John the strength to persevere and not give up. And even as he's concerned for her, Lord, that you would bring about that great concern for him as well, that he would stay as close as he can to you, abiding in you. And even in these times, God, I'm reminded that even when we are faithless, you remain faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I appreciate it, brother. Okay, I, uh, I listen to you all the time, and uh, I always get the number wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I heard it about three times today, uh, and, uh, and uh, the last time I well, still wrote it down wrong and called and didn't get through it, said this was, the number was disconnected. Oh, it's like, man. no, I'm listening to it. But uh, I finally got through, and uh, you know, I appreciate the prayer. You know, yeah. I, uh, you know, I know God is doing something in my life that uh, is is awesome you yes. know uh, you know the trials are 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 very painful mm, but uh you know but you know i i i trust in the lord you know i i know he's chipping away at my at my life yes you know to make something you know better so you know that's that's how i know you know he is doing something you know but, uh, you know, I appreciate the prayer. Okay, brother. God bless you. God bless you. All right, Thank bye you. Bye-bye. Oh. 303-690-3000. Jim in Loveland. Is it Jim? Let's see who's next. Merit, uh, Sam. Yes, this is Sam. I got all kinds of names thrown at me. Uh, <laughs> Sam, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you. How can I help you, Sam? Isaiah seven fourteen. Yes. Help me out with the word virgin. Okay, it's the Hebrew word alma, A L M A H. It means uh, maiden, but not necessarily a virgin. Yeah, it has a lot of meanings. Remember, context is everything, and th- this is where the New Testament will help us. So the word literally means a, a maiden or a young woman. It can refer to a girl and to a virgin, a literal virgin, as we would understand that word today. Um, different categories. This is used in the Old Testament. Rebecca 
Uh, this word was used of Rebecca to describe how she was marriageable. Um, it's also a word described in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 19, um, that this that a, a man was wooing her as a possible wife, so you were at that age to be married. Mm-hmm. Moses' sister was mentioned in this category, Exodus chapter 2, verse 8. Uh, and and according and the most famous one is the one you find in in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. And this is where we come to uh, Matthew's gospel. Uh, because Matthew you, quotes this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, bear a son. And then in verse 25, it says um, that she did, that, that Adam, or excuse me, I got oh, so many names today, I'm sorry. Joseph did not know her till she brought forth his firstborn son. Mm-hmm. So he, in this case in Isaiah 7, it refers to a marriageable woman who had not had sex with a man yet. Okay, because the other word for a virgin is, I know I'm going to murder the word I pronounce, is betula. Okay. Which is used 50 times in the Old Testament. Sure. And my question was, why did Isaiah use that word instead of, a, instead of alma? Yeah. Alma it's, uh, conveys only the the age and the gender of the person, not necessarily the sexual status, or Betula does. Right. And so by the time we have this, so it's it's prophetic, right? So the in the prophecy, it fits the prophecy because she was young and she was marriageable uh, mm-hmm. and she was of age. Yeah. So that, you know, people debate on that anywhere from 13 to 15. Um, most scholars land around 15. So in, in prophetically, that's what it was pointing to, and in its fulfillment, like many of the prophecies, we find that it's actually more than what was prophesied. Yeah. And now again, I'm not doubting the virgin birth. I want to sure. make it clear. But uh, if you read uh, Isaiah 8, where Isaiah married the prophetess, sure, and she conceived, and I think that that scripture <clears throat> is actually referring to Isaiah 8. Uh I know there's a lot of other scriptures that talk about the virgin birth, because I do believe in the virgin birth. Sure. But I, I was hoping to get more clarification concerning the word Alma, which I know is a young maiden uh, that talks about the age and the gender, not necessarily the sexual status. And then the other question was, I wonder why Isaiah did not use the word Betula or Betulia. Yeah, that's a question we can't answer until we... Till we ask him personally, I guess. <laughs> well, thank you. Have a nice afternoon. Thank you for your call. Bye-bye. Bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let's see. Meredith been waiting patiently. Meredith, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. Hi, Meredith. Um, I've been sick for a, a, a lot, but um, so at the end, maybe you could pray for me. But, okay. Um, I want to ask the question, will we recognize the ones that we uh, had in our family and that we loved so much, will we recognize them in in heaven? I believe the answer to that is yes. Well, many people didn't, didn't recognize Jesus right away. What, what'll be different about us? 
Well, what, what will be different about us is we'll be in our glorified state. But here's the thing that here's the difference between the recognition of Jesus after his resurrection on earth compared to the heavenly state. In the heavenly state, when you and I die and we go to heaven, we are going to immediately be changed and we are going to know even as we're known. On those on earth, Jesus veiled himself in order to do ministry to them. Uh-huh. Uh, they weren't they they didn't have the kind of knowledge that you and I are going to be given uh, in the future. So they lacked what you and I are going to get. But everyone in heaven now knows as they're known. And you know, oh, you think of a, a better. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I said praise God. Oh yes. Think of it this way. Let's um, let's think of it from the backside for a little bit. When after someone dies, do they lose their identity? No. No, they don't, because we know on the Mount of Transfiguration, there were two individuals that came back to meet with Jesus. Do you remember who they were? Um, Moses and... Moses and and Elijah? That's right. And how do we know they were Moses and Elijah? Because they were Moses and Elijah. (laughs) They were recognizable. Um, And we know that Jesus is recognized in heaven, because in the book of Revelation, who's the one that opens the seals? He does. That's right. And they everybody well, at least, you know, John and the angel and the whole revelation, the open scene, they know who he is. But because I believe we have full uh, knowledge in heaven that we're we're not gonna be less knowledgeable in heaven, we're gonna be more knowledgeable in heaven. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. I'm I have to pray for you off the air, okay? Okay, that's great. I'll see you soon. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate uh, be sure. <clears throat> Be sure to um, support Grace FM and your local radio. Go to gracefm.com. If you're listening on Hope FM or Truth FM, go to their websites and support local radio. But here in Colorado, support Grace FM. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer (laughs) and God's Word.